Welcome back to Price Plow. In March of 2020, we had the ingredientologist, Mr. Sean Wells, back on the podcast for a fourth time, this time to focus specifically on MCT oil, short for medium chain triglycerides. This is an incredibly informative podcast, but we have an even more informative blog post alongside of it with about 65 citations or so. So if you're interested in MCT oil for any number of reasons, check it out. We have a ton of information here and there will be more ingredient deep dives along the way. So anyone could uh, feel free to ask any questions here on IG Live, but other than that, we were kind of, uh, we've been covering a lot of different ingredients and MCT has been a hot one that we started, uh, that we started blogging about. And, and this will happen on occasion. I had a blog post that just got out of control and it's like 60 citations. We're going down all sorts of rabbit holes and it, it made me realize, even though I do eat some products, some foods that do contain decent amounts of MCTs, it made me realize that I, uh, I want to start supplementing MCT on its own again. And so NMB Nutrition has C8 Vantage and it is based upon C8 or a caprylic acid. And um, this is a powder-based MCT supplement. So can you kind of give us the breakdown on uh, the real, like the, the elevator pitch on MCTs first off, and, and then we could talk a little bit about uh, C8 Vantage as well? Yeah, it's uh, the medium chain um, triglycerides. There's there's short chain, long chain, and how you define medium chain varies from uh, kind of definition to definition. But it's like in that C6 to C12 range. Um, typically, we most likely look at like the C8, C10, and that's what's in MCTs. Um, okay, can, you, can you define what C8 and C10? Oh are? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 10-carbon uh, fatty acid and an 8-carbon fatty acid. And the 8-carbon, like you said, is caprylic acid, and this is in the triglyceride form, so it's three of them with a, a glycerol backbone. And, um, and, it, and it pretty much is tasteless. That's one of the great things about MCTs, but they actually are used in the food industry to enhance flavor. So that's a really cool thing. Like, typically, like, stuff like this, it's like, you know, you hope to get some ergogenic benefit, but it's actually tastes terrible or it mixes terrible. Right. And and this this stuff mixes in great as an oil. It's a light oil, uh, but we have it as C Advantage as a powder, so it's super super convenient. And then you should ask, well, how how does it get powderized? A lot of this stuff gets powderized on maltodextrin and things like that. Mm -hmm. This gets plated on uh, tapioca fiber and pea protein. And so it has zero glycemic response, and it's a prebiotic, uh, as well as providing some additional amino acids. So, and it's about 75% uh, MCTs uh, to the powder, and so 25% powder. And then of, of the MCT that's provided, it's, uh, I think it's about 95 to 98% um, C8. So this is pretty pure when it comes to C8. And maybe typical MCTs that you'd get are like 50% uh, C8, 50% C10. Mm -hmm. And this C8, you might ask, like, why is C8 better? Uh, because it's more ketogenic. It enhances uh, the development of ketones uh, from the liver. So um, that would be why. Yeah, so yeah, our blog post, we show that there's a chart where from the study, and it's actually like kind of seen for whatever reason it was delayed, but later on the ketone spike, have, like there's a good ketone spike, but then it like 
it way enhanced like downstream. So C8 seems to provide some really cool stuff. Um, now I, I, I don't mean to correct the master or anything, but you said a lot of a lot of MCTs out there are kind of 50-50 C8, C10. That's just for the C8, C10 ones. A lot of them include C12, which right. um, yeah. And like that, if you look at coconut oil, so most of the stuff is, is extracted yeah. first off from either coconut oil or palm oil, right? Correct. Or yeah. maybe a mixture of both. So uh, looking at the fatty acid profiles, and this is all on our blog, we see, uh, and I think I may have forgotten to include the table, so I need to do that. So there's a table on one of these studies that shows the fatty acid breakdown of coconut oil and then of standard MCT oil. And standard MCT oil obviously is like all MCTs, but it's a ton of the C12. And coconut oil not only has a ton of C12, but also has some of the longer chains, too. It's a, it's a really cool saturated fat. Obviously, I love to cook with it and everything. And yeah. you can get a ketone spike if you're fasted is eating coconut oil. I, I have a video doing that. It was pretty cool. But at the same time, the research is starting to show, though, that the C8, C8 and C10, but especially C8, if you're looking for, like, like extremely quick-acting, enhanced, like, beta-oxidation and extremely uh, like no processing by the liver and um like incredibly fast ketone generation it seems like c8 is where it's at and with c12 lauric acid a lot of the good oils that you see on amazon they're like advertising c8 and c10 together or just c8 alone they try to their best to remove the lauric acid which is the c12 and that because that, that has like what's kind of blogged about as a pit stop in the liver and i don't know if that's exactly right but it's close enough for uh for like what I saw. And in the blog post, I have a better quote from a study regarding like kind of the mechanism. But it seems like the, the C12 doesn't work as well for what we want it to do, although it's not bad. It's just not awesome like C8 is what like kind of my quick explanation. Yeah, what's interesting is C12 is actually really potently antibacterial, antiviral. <laughs> uh, one of my top immune health supplements actually revolves around that as monolaurin. Okay. Uh, very reasonable in price, and uh, again, like I think one of the absolute best things that you can take if you have autoimmune issues, or certainly maybe in this time of you know the COVID nineteen crisis. Right. Yeah, and we could definitely get into that. It's uh, it's it's interesting because we did we were digging into the research, and there's no in vitro, um, no no no, there's no in vivo research on humans regarding immune response from MCTs. But it seems like there's like five legit studies. In vivo, in like the petri dish, no, in vitro, geez, in the petri dish, showing that um, MCTs seem to kick up an immune response from um, in, in various ways. And one of the studies is actually on respiratory cells, which I thought was like fascinating. So can't make claims because this is petri dish stuff, and there's no like human-based research on actual living human beings and all that with just MCT. But it seems like the, the mechanism is there, and, and in general, it seems like to me. MCD can be part of a very healthy diet, and I'm very pro, at least like part, at least for part of the day, I'm very pro anything that's going to help you kick up a few ketones. There's too many people out there who haven't like experienced ketones since they were like born, and uh, and I think there's there's a lot of therapeutic and protective benefits from them. So I think it could be part of the puzzle, but we can't really, I don't think we can really make like direct immune, uh, you know. Uh, claims based on MCT, but there, there seems to be a connection, at least somewhere around there, beating around the bush, or possibly eventually we'll get some sort of better data. Well, with that's type 2 diabetes, we know that that's a uh, high risk um, for the COVID-19 as well, yep. and that there's some correlation there. And we know that when you take MCTs <clears throat> or when ketones are elevated, that that suppresses blood glucose. 
-hmm. and would enhance insulin sensitivity and also improve uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, improve insufficient cellular energy states, mm -hmm. et cetera. So to me, it makes sense that there would be some correlation there, you know, above and beyond, like maybe if there are antibacterial, antiviral effects of some of these other fatty acids that could be directly beneficial, the indirect mm -hmm. definitely makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm just cautious about that because, uh, you know, I, I would get concerned about someone having a terrible fast food only diet or whatever, eating all this processed food. A lot of people still don't know how to cook, so they, they're ordering takeout like crazy, and they're getting all sorts of junk. Um, and then adding MCT to that, I, I'd be afraid of, like, the lipstick on a pig kind of situation yeah. with MCT. Whereas, like, something like berberine, I almost think that like, berberine is, like, can overwhelm some of that some of that pig, and and I'm not I'm not 100 convinced that adding MCTs on top of a, a 5,000 calorie diet is really going to help that much. It's, it is going to add more calories at the end of the day. Um, the cool thing is the C8 MCTs don't seem to be they, they they're directly like they're they're sent right to ketones, and it doesn't seem like they are stored as fats. So that's why I think it's really cool, especially for like brain health issues. You don't seem to need to be in ketosis to be able to generate the ketones. So uh, that's what's really exciting about the C8, maybe the C10 as well. But I, I still am you know, concerned, like, just because you have a, a, a bottle of MCTs doesn't mean you could have a 5,000-calorie diet if you're, you know, you're well in caloric excess. Whereas with something like berberine, I, I would be a little bit more aggressive on the claims because I think you can, like, I could eat a lot more junk with berberine, like with the, the, the dihydroberberine or glucovanish from NMB. We've talked about that. And, uh, and so I'm a little bit more confident with the claims there. I don't think MCT is there personally for me yet to, like, make that kind of claim, but I do think that replacing, it seems like a lot of the studies, replacing um, other foods or other chains or, like, polyunsaturated fatty acids, like the omega-6s that I'm very against, replacing those salad dressings with MCT I think is, like, it's a two-banger because you're getting rid of the junk and you're adding in what I believe to be an essential fatty acid. I do believe, in, in our blog post, I kind of go off, not off the rails, but I, I really defend saturated fats because MCT, at the end of the day, it is a saturated fatty acid. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of saturated fat. I think that um, when we removed it from our diets starting in the 1970s, that's when all hell broke loose and people are just constantly hungry. There are studies on MCT and on other... Um, fatty acids such as stearic acid, the, the longer chain saturated fat, that promotes satiety. And to me, I think people should, if you're trying to diet, you got to chase satiety. Chase what makes you actually full for a long period of time. Don't chase calories. So this is a big thing I'm, I'm going to be on this decade, at least. And, uh, and so MCTs are, are a huge piece of that. And uh, anyway, I've kind of de derailed a little bit, but yeah, there's, there's just like so many benefits. Oh, anyway, so yeah, using it to replace other foods that make you hungry in an hour I think is is where like the Agreed. real magic is for me for MCTs. Agreed. Anything that's going to increase ketones is going to when you enhance like plasma BHB, like you're going to decrease uh, your hunger, increase satiety. You know the satiety mm -hmm. effect. So is that I do what you like the connection is hundred percent, and okay. and I mean that's been shown like uh, the direct correlation that and and it makes sense. Like I mean when you're in that starvation mode. Uh, one, you want BHB to be cellular energy so you can get food, find food, right? And then two, you want it to protect muscle because lean body mass is so critical when you're starving. Mm -hmm. And then three, you want your appetite to drop so that you can focus. I mean, there's going to be a period 
where there's leptin and ghrelin and, and insulin and blood glucose playing into your appetite. But once that's like the whole thing, like when you push through, like in fasting, when you kind of push through that initial hunger and you get to like that, that point of clarity and you get to that point of like, wow, I'm not hungry anymore. Like that's when you get the clarity and the, the no hunger thing, that's BHB like skyrocketing. Yeah. Right. And that's like the experiential effect of BHB. So like you can simulate that by taking higher levels of like exogenous ketones or the C8 MCTs or dihydroberberine or all three. Uh, all those are going to help uh, increase ketone levels. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, yeah, big, big on intermittent fasting in, in terms for me, I just need to make sure I, when I, my window is open, I eat enough because like getting deep enough into a fast you get focused, it feels great, and then there, there's, a, there's like a balance where it's like I am, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm hungry enough to like want to break it, but I'm enjoying my fast so much, and at some point the whole hunger overwhelms or I, I want to train and I, I crush my carbs a little bit post-workout and then start the process back over. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely a connection. You, you mentioned leptin, and there's a couple other hunger hormones that MCT does seem to work on too. So that, that's why I was kind of curious that you think it's the, it's the BHB. Uh, this stuff does like a, a ton, of, ton of different really cool things. Um, but yeah, so what's your take on taking MCT during a fast? Let's say uh, one thing we didn't mention with the C8 Vantage is that you, uh, NMBs, and they're going to be sending me a, a, hopefully a care package so I could actually do a video showing the close-ups and stuff. There's a dairy-based one coming as well that's instead of plating on pea protein and tapioca, it's going to be, I don't know what the fiber is going to be, but it's going to be a milk protein too, which will be a lot smoother and better tasting for those who don't need to be vegan and all that. So um, so let's say I'm drinking coffee, and I, I, I'm fine with black coffee personally, but if I only want to have, I need a, I need a coffee creamer. And I mm -hmm. also like intermittent fasting. So what's your take on using MCTs during a fast? Do you have like a threshold, or do you care? No, like how, how crazy do you get about it now? It's a, that's a really good question, and, and one I get a lot. Yeah, and I don't know why my screen, oh, there it goes, popped in. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. That's tough because if you're looking to get like the, um, um, you know, the detoxing um, benefits supposedly like with, uh, um, you know, cleaning out your cells, et cetera, like uh, then, you know, people argue that you shouldn't have any calories, you shouldn't have any food. Um, but I'm like, if you're trying to lose weight, through fasting, if, if like that's your goal, it just depends on on what the yeah. goal is okay. with, with fasting. But I do think like using ketones or using MCTs is okay. Like if you're, especially if like, I mean, look, like it's not like you're one and done with fasting, right? Like, I mean, this is like a journey that you get used to, and you're going to upregulate MCT transporters, and you're going to. Um, you know, get used to how this feels and, like, how BHB is experienced and how, like, the hunger aspects are experienced. So, you know, if it helps you get to, like, my argument is it helps you go longer, then that's amazing. Like, then do that. Like, there's always, like, these fasting beliefs of, like, you know, that's not legal. That's not okay. Like, that's, you know, and it's, like, that's well, that doesn't make sense. Like, so if you need to have caffeine in your coffee or you need to have some supplements, it's okay. Like, oh, the supplements have, like, It's got rice know, flour in, in the Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, or, 
or yeah, like is having ketones okay? Is having um, uh, bone broth okay? Is having um, MCTs okay? Like to me, like if your goal is um, to just lose weight and lean up and get used to what it's like to you know go longer periods without eating then it's okay like it helps that goal like it helps you uh, go longer and not eat like when you're having cravings and cool you know like it gets you deeper into ketosis so you don't have those cravings mm-hmm yeah I think that those debates and the autophagy thing comes up I mean, right. missing the forest missing the forest for the trees in my in my opinion so and, and autophagy isn't just on or off. Like, it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, exercise increases autophagy. Like, there, there's, like, a lot of uh, aspects to autophagy and degrees of autophagy and, and whole cell autophagy and kind of inner cell autophagy. And, and there's just, it's not that simple. Like, people make it like it's on or Kind of like muscle protein synthesis, you know. It's like mm-hmm. they talk about it like it's on or off and, you know, you want it on 24-7. Just not how it works, right? Right. Yeah. So I I don't think I have much else. Like just the, in the in the process of researching the whole MCT thing, it's kind of convinced me to throw it back in there. Um, I I add some to the, to my protein shakes. I've noticed that some of our favorite protein shakes are actually using C8 Vantage, like Nutrex's plant protein. Um, I don't know if they're using C8 Vantage in their IsoFit, but they're using MCT in there as well. I like I I don't know. It seems like the MCT is a great way to cream up. A product without like throwing in like disgusting ingredients or what I consider to be disgusting so I, I've really been on on the boat and jumping in more and uh, I personally think that if I need to extend my fast MCT gets me a little bit further along personally and I'm not doing that for any weight loss reasons I'm doing it because I, I like the focus and if I'm buried into work I'm I'm not, I'm not going to go and break and, and cook and I haven't properly bulk cooked enough lately so just been this has been chaos out here so that's kind of, uh, kind of my situation. There's a question, how does it work? So, Afan, if you want to ask, what specifically? Are you asking how does MCT work? Or I'm not sure what the, what the question is. But, um, but yeah, we'll, so we'll catch up on that. Uh, and that's pretty much it. We, so we have this blog post on, on the blog. And I went, like I said, I kind of went out of control there. But I, I really, I said a lot of stuff. Like, first off, saturated fat is not unhealthy. I don't think you should be eating a ton of carbs and fats, whether it's saturated fat or polyunsaturated or anything at the same time. I, I believe in kind of splitting those up personally, but there is no like there is no connection between saturated fatty acids and heart disease. The four studies that the American Heart Association uses to try to say you should have a low fat, low saturated fat diet are from like the 1960s and 1970s and they're garbage data, they're smokers, there's so many compounds. Terrible, terrible, terrible data. So we talk about some of that and then we talk about, um, you know, different types of fatty acids and then we get into the, the MCT research and then we like bury into like the C8 research. So you can check out that blog. I, I don't think I have a whole lot of other details to talk about. Um, there's a, there's a whole lot of like studies there. So, so that's about it for me. How does it work? M- MST. Okay, I think he's asking how MCT works. Um, we, we briefly covered it earlier, but MCTs are medium chain triglycerides. And the, the medium means like the number of carbon bonds that are inside of these fatty acids. And there's a saturated fatty acid, um, well known in coconut oil. And when they're taken, they help reduce appetite, but they also increase the amount of ketones that are produced. And the shorter chain fatty acids 
kind of contribute directly to caloric, uh, directly to like really fast energy, almost as fast, fast as like a carbohydrate uh, because the shorter chain fatty acids don't require any processing in the liver and they don't get stored as fat. They get turned into ketones, which your body can use as an alternate energy supply. So MCTs really have this really cool effect where it's like kind of like a fat, kind of like a carb, but like to me, the best of both worlds. Um, that's my quick elevator pitch on MCTs. And, uh, and so we, yeah, we are big fans of the C8 and the C10 MCTs, although there's a lot of benefits from, from all of them. And I'm a very pro-saturated fat person. I, uh, th and so, yeah, that's kind of like my whole little spiel there. Now, one thing I was going to mention, though, it is, it is stated in a lot of different studies that MCTs have 8.3 calories per gram, as opposed to longer-chain fatty acids just have 9, maybe 9.1 calories per gram. I went down the rabbit hole a little bit on this. There's studies that just say this. And there's a book that says this, that it was done by, through bound calorimetry. I never could find a study showing that it was actually 8.3 calories per gram. So at some point, I might, I might uh, have to get a bound calorimeter and actually find out. Because like, that's been a little itch that there's all these studies. And like these researchers just say it flat out. Oh, it's 8.3 calories per gram. I can't find the actual data. I, I don't know if, Sean, you've ever like, cared to look. But no, it's really, no, that's it's a, fascinating. It's a detail. Yeah. So that's it's, fascinating. Uh, and I, I kind of believe it. Like, that you know, not everything is going to work the same in a bomb calorimeter, but it's like when we started drilling, uh, drilling down in 2014 on the amino acid spiking thing, and you realize like, oh my God, the, the, the definition of the word protein is like based on like 1800s technology. It's way antiquated. We start believing like weird things. I, I, I want to see some original data on, uh, on if this MCT is really 8.3 calories per gram. But as of right now, that's kind of what's like kind of just thrown out there and I, I've never seen the source on that. So that might be my little mini mission at some point. That's fascinating. And it may be different from fatty acid to fatty acid. I mean, there may be. Agreed. Yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. Uh, there's a question on, um, yep. two things right here. Yeah. And looking to get a higher yield of a particular extract, is that something Sean can help with? Yes. That's exactly what ingredientology does is novel ingredients, novel delivery systems, like, you know, liposomes and micelles, like, or microencapsulation, or, but yeah, certainly, like, trying to get a, a different yield of a bioactive out of an extract uh, using different extraction methods, uh, and again, like, different synthesis methods, like fermentation, which is really hot right now. Um, that's an area of an expertise. And so that was asked and, by Nutristat, who actually has a really cool native whey protein powder. Um, I really love the blueberry flavor. They have... Uh, a liquid glycerol that I hadn't used yet. I do have it because I just haven't, I've been injured a little bit, haven't been pumping up enough. And I think I might be ready to rock that one out. It's like straight on. If you want 25 grams of straight glycerol, you just take it to the dome and see what happens. Um, <laughs> and then uh, okay. they have uh, this new ingredient called bio ATP. So some stuff we might eventually write about. It's just been so crazy busy. So it really, they have some innovative stuff. So I'm, I'm interested in what Nutristat has. Let's do an introduction in email and uh, we'll make that work. And, uh, but yeah, that is long story short, that is what Sean can do. And they, uh, they make it happen. It seems like we're tasking them with a couple, a couple other things that we haven't talked about. So, um, and then second, I like this question because we might get two different answers here, but, uh, Ibernalis is asking, do I have to eat a lot of fat in my diet to be in keto? Sean? Oh, I don't know who's, I can't hear Sean right now. Can you hear me now? Can everyone? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, my answer is uh, is technically no, um, because uh, it's really just uh, fat is kind of filling in the gap, so to speak. Uh, keto is about being very very low carb, and and yes, it is typically a high fat diet, but it's because you're trying to get enough energy calorically. But if you don't mind losing a ton of weight, <laughs> you can still get in ketosis by being ultra low carb and being moderate with your protein. So you're really just trying to fill in that energy gap calorically with the fat. Um, so that's usually like, I mean, that's why you can get into ketosis with fasting. You're not having anything. You don't need to have fat per se. So Right, but at the same time, there are certain... A little bit of nuance. There are some certain essential fatty acids that are very important to get. Now, if you're going like hardcore in, long term, yeah. If you go yeah. low fat only protein, it's you can get into a situation known as rabbit starvation, and it it, it can be dangerous. Yeah. Um, what we're talking about, if you and this is like if you're in life or death, like I know doctors that do this, it's a protein sparing modified fast. If they're right. in like morbid obesity, life or death right. situations, it needs to be managed by a doctor. But right. you can you can go just enough like fish oil and just enough fatty acids to, um, to appease the essential fatty acid part of the equation and then start burning your own fat and everything. But and if you're only eating protein, you, like border, borderline misery, very, very dangerous to do without the doctor's, uh, doctor's, uh, doctor's help. So you got to be careful with that. To me, it's like you want just enough fat to, to work on satiety because, like I said, like I, I think you just need to appease your appetite and to get enough energy. It's, a slightly it's very inefficient to be using protein for energy. It's also expensive to be using protein for energy. So the, the fat is there for like, yeah, just enough energy to keep you going and make you happy and have you feel full. And then the protein for the muscle is my opinion. And then at that point, um, you can start like drilling down and fasting further and further as you get more, more and more fat adapted. If you jump right into it though, you're gonna wanna switch into, I think like a high fat diet just to like, you got to do something to kick that carb craving. Maybe some sweeteners you got to, and then eventually, though, you want you're going to be fat adapted, where your your body's no longer working on glucose or sugar because you haven't been eating it. You've burned off a lot out of your liver, and then at some point, you're going to the the switch starts to flip, and then you're going to be eating all this fat. But it's like, well, your body's not going to burn fat if you keep providing it with a lot of fat. So that at that point, you start lowering the amount of body uh, the amount of dietary fat. And then see what works. And the ratios are different for everyone, especially with women, especially with menopausal women. Like I see like yeah. everyone has different opinions. Uh, people who are leaner seem to be doing better on higher protein diets. Uh, people who are, are bigger can like, there's, there's a little bit more leeway because you have a lot of fat on your diet. So it really it depends. Um, so that's, that's my more nuanced answer. But at the yeah. end of the day. No, I, I totally agree. Like that's uh, like when I'm saying like, it is just technically to get into ketosis. Do you need the fat? No. No. But right. absolutely, yeah. like if <laughs> long term, I wouldn't want someone eating like a 400 calorie diet or something like that of of low carb, moderate protein. Like it, it literally like to get the 1800 calories or whatever you need. Like ideally, like that's being made up of with fat, and that's why typically it's you know 70 to 75 percent fat as calories. And I agree with you, like. Um, the more muscle mass you have and the more active you are, then the more leeway you have with uh, carbohydrate tolerance as well as protein tolerance. And I think like you can have like the 
you know, 25, 30, 35% protein calories uh, if you're a more muscular, you know, training mm -hmm. male. Um, and this is one of the reasons why, like, um, a, a more sedentary, uh, you know, less active, lower muscle mass female, you know, tends to be like, I, I'm at 20 grams of, you know, carbohydrates and, and I'm still not getting deep enough in, into ketosis. Like, that's a big factor is, like, how active you are with your muscle and how much muscle you have because that has, like, the glute four translocation and, you know, you're using more calories and uh, there's a whole lot of aspects to it but yeah yeah and there's a lot of testing that should be uh, that you kind of need to do on yourself if you could afford it or get a prescription it's tough like right now but um getting a constant glucose monitor i learned yeah. so much and for me what i realized one of the hammers that uh one of my opinions is that i don't think you're going to truly burn a lot of body fat until you clear out the liver fat first and the way i clear out um uh, like all the glycogen around is with high intensity interval training like for yeah. me that is that is the the lever that just rocks it for me personally it's it's hard for a lot of people to do that so um so we had a question and, and so like there's a lot of it depends answers and i think a lot of it does depend you know on on sex size age all that stuff but um are you doing a question? Yeah, so we're doing a Q&A right now i guess so like ask away i'm not sure how long we have Sean but at least 15 more minutes on the calendar and on average, how long do you have to fast to get into ketosis? So my answer, it depends on where you're kind of starting with and what you define yeah. as ketosis. Like the, the average kind of people say is 0.5 millimole uh, of ketones of BHB in your blood is, is ketosis. We could argue that. For me, going from, um, going from Thanksgiving feast with carbs and everything to fasting, it took me two and a half days to get into ketosis. So that was from that state. Whereas if I already am on a low-carb diet and I, I kind of like have – I like my post-workout carbs. I hit like 50 to 100 grams of, of carbs post-workout. Then I try to roll back in. It takes me about, I'd say, 18 hours to get back. So yeah. in, the, in the meantime, though, you could also stay in ketosis all day long and, and never have to ask that question at all. So there's, there's lots of different ways, but you want to – the fasting is where you really start to burn your own body fat eventually as opposed to if you're just eating butter all day long, well, you're going to be either adding butter to your fat or you're going to be burning butter. So, um, and one Great. other thing that we didn't say is that when you, the studies kind of show that when you are in ketosis um, or when you like eliminate carbohydrates from the diet, at least energy expenditure seems to go up or at least like stay higher or go higher. So, so when you mentioned like 1800 calories, when I am in, uh, when I'm a sugar burner, I'm like 2,600 calories per day. And, of course, it depends if I'm swimming or hitting high-intensity interval training. When I'm in keto, I need to eat, like, to not lose weight, I need to eat, like, 3,000-plus calories. And so that's a lot of fat. So there, I, right. I, I That's the metabolic yeah, so, advantage. Right, yeah. So that was my, my quick take. But, yeah, Sean, like, how long does it take you to get into ketosis after a, a cheat it's, meal? It, it's similar. It's just like you're saying. Um, you know, I use it like you said, uh, sometimes to compensate for that cheat meal. But if you do glycogen depletion, like you were talking about with high intensity interval training, like you can get in so much quicker. And, um, you know, maybe if you're using some thermogenics, you could probably get in quicker. And, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's so many factors to it. But yeah, I'd say it's how much, uh, how much glycogen you have around. Also, like how adapted mm -hmm. you are. Like, again, right. going back to those MCT transporters, it's like how fat adapted are you at, at utilizing ketones, at creating ketones? So, mm -hmm. okay, I think I missed a question. Let's scroll up. 
was something like Ultima Replenisher, which has zero calories but does have stevia interrupted fast. So I don't know what that product is. And so you do sometimes have to watch out for some amino acids. It's, are kind it's of really popular. popular. Yeah. Okay. I should know, I guess. But um, stevia itself will not, to me, break a fast. It doesn't have any calories. Some of the amino acids, just because let's just talk about BCA supplements. We have a video where we actually put it through a bomb calorimeter. BCAs do have calories. And so, you know, it was like it was like five calories per gram or something. Somewhere else slightly above protein is what it showed up as. Enough to break a fast and maybe not, depending if you eat like mountains of it or whatever. But some of these amino acids are actually caloric and your body will probably use it just because the FDA doesn't st – the FDA says that we can't like label so low amino acids as calories or protein or anything. doesn't mean that they, they can't be utilized as calories. So I'm not sure what that product is. But the stevia I'm not worried about. But if there's a ton of stuff in there um, – there's still a possibility that you're going to get some calories. Will that break your fast? Nah, I don't know how many, how much there is in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm trying to bulk up on keto. It's so hard because I'm never hungry. Amen to that. Agree. And that's why I put in carbs post-workout. I'm doing long walk after eating so I can eat two times a day. I want to eat, but I'm feeling so great. IF and eating high fat, lower protein. Same exact thing here, and it does, and it also hurts me that I uh, I'm slightly injured, so I'm not able to lift as hard as I want to be. My solution to this, and everyone's going to have different takes. I, um, if you want to gain, if you want to gain on a keto style diet, it's expensive. You got to go like high quality, like supreme carnivore, and eat a ton of protein, a ton of meat, a ton of quality steaks, and eggs, and all that fish too. Um, for me, finding carbs that don't screw you up, finding ones that like basically like carbs that don't give you gas or bloating and throwing in as much as you could tolerate post-workout if you're lean enough, I think is, and the, as long as it doesn't give you like, you know, immune issues or anything like that. For me, it's organic white rice and, uh, and organic sweet potatoes, hundred grams of carbs per day for me is where I had bit, a bit of a change. And I was really, my, I, was, I was never proud of, my, uh, proud of my physique before I got injured. So I was like this, I finally figured out what was working for me. And for me, it's, it's 75 to 100 grams of carbs post-workout and then stop. And, uh, and then I get hurt. So I'm going to get it back. But, uh, but that's my take is that full-blown keto, we're going to we'll disagree on this with a lot of people. You could, and you could ramp up protein. To me, I can't put on muscle without, without spiking insulin a little bit on the on the uh on the carbs personally sean might have yeah, to take no I, I think you need some metabolic flexibility there like uh mm -hmm. doing targeted and cyclical keto or doing uh carb backloading but i would agree like when i do like a zero carb like uh carnivore i struggle <laughs> i struggle and, to eat like i will lose uh, weight like crazy and, and you're not hungry yeah no right. like and and the difference between like 20 grams, 50 grams of carbs, 100 grams of carbs, and zero carb is massive. Like, mm -hmm. I can tell you just, you can feel the difference. And and when I do zero carb, like a carnivore style, I cannot eat. I can easily, I just go right into fasting. I'm like, I forget to eat for two days. It, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's, it's, it's so different. So, yes, yeah. I would agree on how you use your carbs for sure. Yeah, but it does feel good. Like the, the intermittent fasting feels so good. You have to balance between, listen, if you don't eat, you're not going to bulk. You're not going to gain weight. I mean, obviously, the, you know, you're not going to just breathe in air and make muscle. So, um, I don't know, some people on, on, on exogenous hormones might be able to do that. But, like, for us mere mortals who are natty, uh, you, you do have to eat. And so you have to balance, like, 
to me, you got to find the right fasting window and you got to do it when I work best in the morning. So I like to fast in the morning and then like get a crazy awesome work session in. Then I, I like to train fasted and then I'm going to crush a ton of food and, and you need to like really like bu bu budget your food and realize that if you are doing this, you need a lot, like if you're doing two meals a day, those meals need to be big if you want to bulk. And this is where I screw up. Like it's a lot of food. And, and for me, crush that food. And I know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little bit of crash afterwards, whether or not I use the Berberine, whether or not you know, I stem up, I'm going to have a bit of a crash and I accept that. Uh, and that's why you got to get your important work done before breaking the fast. But that's, the thing I'm, that's why I have to do that. And then I might have a little bit of a downslope, but to me, um, for the physique side of things and the not going crazy side of things, and it is worth it to me. So I think figuring out your workout fasting window area, and then you got to come prepared, bulk cooking, like, listen, I know I need to eat that ground beef, those eggs, and that steak. And then I like to also, I like to have protein first in the meal. Um, and then I do the carbs, and the carbs will, uh, the blood sugar impact seems to be blunted when you have protein and fats, or just protein before the carbs too. So to me, yeah. when you're getting like really nuanced, and you're like down to like 12% body fat or less, timing does matter. Yeah, I agree. I, same thing. Any other questions? Yeah, this is, I, I love this kind of discussion. We haven't had one of these discussions for a while, Sean, so I'm glad that your, your crew has brought in some, some keto people. Price All Nation's kind of split on the, on the low-carb, high-carb thing. Like, and, and so, like, obviously, I, I'm a low-carber, but I, I know, like, for me, like, zero-carb is fun. You've got to get a lot of work done, and I don't want to be eating every two hours or riding the blood sugar roller coaster. I can get right. off of it. But I, I am putting on a lick of muscle at age 38, not happening without some of that white rice post-workout unless, and, and I am, like I said, natty. So that's, that's my personal take right here. Yeah, I agree. And I don't see any other questions or anything. So, uh, how's the, uh, so Sean, are you, are you, you still in Dallas and everything kind of, oh, here's a question. I tried post-workout carbs. I got stomach pain. So I'm doing you now insulin spike with like one teaspoon of honey, some BCA whey, and then I have my first meal of the day. Thanks guys. Yeah, cool. And that's why I said, like, find the carb source that doesn't mess you up. And um, in terms of supplements, and I'm not sure if uh, NMB is going to get involved in any of these, but, like, I've always been a big fan of cluster dextrin or the, uh, yeah. the, the cyclic, the highly branched cyclic dextrins. I, I, love, I love dextrose. I do not like fructose. I don't like sucrose. I, I feel like trash with fruit, personally, and I've kind of said that lately. Um, but I do love me some dextrose. Like, so the candies that have dextrose are usually, like, the, the sweet tarts, the runts, spree's been my big one lately post-workout mm -hmm. like i have some that's when i like to have some fun and for me um dextrose never messes me up it's just straight up glucose basically right. and yeah. um and so yeah tr tinker with different different carbs a lot of people like oats i'm i'm so so on oats and uh and uh, the 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 wheat i i can't do the wheat so like that's the carb source that just kills me so i know that if i'm if i'm gonna splurge and have pizza it, yeah, I'll probably not feel great afterwards, but there's, I think there's certain carb sources you got to try to find that supplement or food-based or candy-based that uh, might make you feel better than others. There's an enzyme called glutolytic that um, mm. uh, Deerland Enzyme makes that really helps digest gluten that I would recommend. Like, you, you know, if you do have some things that you don't digest well, and especially because you've stopped eating them because of a low-carb diet, uh, that's going to exacerbate that, you know, yep. like if you have like lactose intolerance or whatever, then I would compensate with some enzymes when you want to have that cheat meal or that occasional indulgence. Definitely. And don't forget to chew your foods, folks. The amylase, one of the digestive enzymes right there in your saliva, we're just horfing down food without chewing, like sit down, 
relax, enjoy your food. We're not going anywhere right now, so enjoy your food and uh, and chew like a lot, and that'll get that'll that'll the, the digestion process actually begins like right at the mouth. So don't forget that step. That might help a little bit with the carbs too. Uh, does fasting help on lowering blood sugar when you're borderline diabetic? Well, Sean, that's more up your alley because you uh, have the letters behind your name, but I'm going to say absolutely yes. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, you just have to be careful. I'm uh, borderline diabetic insinuates type 2 diabetes. Uh, there's no real borderline type 1 diabetic. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that they're saying that they're uh, insulin-resistant, glucose-intolerant, type 2 diabetic borderline there. And certainly, you know, most likely it's kind of that syndrome max with the uh, obesity, et cetera. Like, so, yes, doing fasting, um, doing exercise, not being sedentary is going to help dramatically. Just taking a walk 10 minutes after you eat, like for 10 minutes after you eat, the postprandial stroll can have a dramatic effect on blood glucose. Uh, but certainly fasting is a tool. I'd be careful with it. You know, I don't know to what degree, uh, you know, you have sensitivities with hypo, hyper swings uh, with the blood glucose. So I would be careful uh, an experiment with fasting with your physician. Uh, start with, you know, I wouldn't roll right into extended fasts. I would be doing intermittent fasts, etc. So, yeah, and honestly, data is the most important thing. I, again, yeah. I would emphasize if you can find a doctor. Who, if you are, if you have a high A1C level, you might be able to get insurance to help cover for it. It's not cheap, but the constant glucose monitor. Yeah, there. You every five minutes you get an update. At least like the Dexcom uh, G6. I, you learn. You learn so much about your body. Certain things happen, like weird things too. Where if you eat too late at night, or if I eat too late at night, my whole next day is effed up. It's crazy. It's like like things that you don't know that actually matter um, come into play. And so I do recommend finding a doctor who will get you, especially if if your A1C is borderline high.